This is a Federal News Network podcast. As the end of another fiscal year starts to approach, it won't be a surprise to federal agencies if the next one starts under a continuing resolution. They've gotten very, very used to it over the last many years. But this time, there are real questions about the duration of that CR and whether it'll be long enough to avert a government shutdown. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. He joins us now to talk about what might be ahead. And Larry, it's been a while, but it looks like we do have a combination of debt ceiling crisis and government shutdown possibility converging again, which we haven't had together in a while. Um, Why do you think these are real possibilities and, and real threats this year? Jared, I think this is a a real threat this year because we have a very contentious Congress, one where each house has very narrow majorities. Uh, We've also just had the Senate pass a large spending bill. The House is going to take that up very shortly. Uh, There are going to be conservative fiscal uh, conservatives who want to have a say in uh, whether or not that money actually gets allocated. We have this triple witching hour that's converging. Uh, All of the spending bills that uh, are up for passage, some have been passed. We have the end of the fiscal year coming up, which will need in all likelihood a continuing resolution and not uh, an appropriations bill. And then in October at a yet undefined time, uh, the Congress is gonna have to vote to increase the debt ceiling. On paper anyway, Jared, that's a vote that requires 60 votes in the Senate. Those votes really just aren't there right now. That's why I think that this is a time when we could really see a government shutdown sometime right after the start of the fiscal year. Uh, It's unrealistic to think that we're going to get a long-term continuing resolution when there's this political football, the debt ceiling uh, over uh, top of everything. Uh, So I think that everybody's going to have to strap in their seats. Uh, This one could actually be a long one. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that next. I mean, I think the conventional wisdom has been that we're going to be in CR mode for at least some time. But but you you think there's a realistic possibility that congressional Republicans may not even want to go along with a CR or or at least a long one? Jared, I think they're going to do a short-term CR probably at the beginning of the year because the debt ceiling vote, as I said, that's as yet untimed. We haven't really heard from the Treasury what the last day is before action is absolutely needed. That's probably going to drive how long a, a CR is, I think, in my estimation. So it'd be two or three weeks, and then uh, that probably would see some CR tied to a debt ceiling vote. And that's where the fireworks really start. Uh, it's tough to say, but I think there's going to be an awful lot of desire to claw back some of the spending that uh, the Senate's recently authorized and the House is going to have to go along with. Uh, This is a a very tense time. There's not a lot of bipartisanship in Congress. You know, it's been several years since we've had a shutdown that's lasted more than a day or two, but this time we could have one, I think, for a little while. And as for appropriations, I'm not really forecasting an appropriations bill until uh, the end of January at the earliest. Interesting. All right, uh, let's let's move on to a, a completely different topic here, which is small business goals for 2020. As you write in the newsletter, government wide, um, the 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 goal was met, but but some shortcomings when it comes to small businesses 
and hub zones. What 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 can we what actions can we expect agencies to take in in reaction to falling short on those specific goals? Yeah, Jared, even though we're talking about FY20 numbers and we're almost at the F, end of FY21, I think we can expect these numbers that recently came out to drive spending into FY22 as well. That's particularly true on top of the administration's plans to increase small minority contracting by 50%. So what I'm expecting, where were the shortcomings? Well, they were in women-owned small business use and in hub zone use. Hub zone's been kind of a difficult target for the government to meet over the last couple of years, Jared, because it's tough to to find a number of businesses that can meet the kind of strict criteria. Sometimes you're in a hub zone, sometimes the hub zone program works and son of a gun, the place where your business is located no longer qualifies. Uh, so in that way, that's a program success, but it, other side, it poses challenges for meeting that hub zone goal. So I think we can expect to see federal agencies well into FY22 to focus on small minority business contracts women-owned and hub-zone business contracts especially. Uh, whether you're a large or small business, this is going to affect at least somewhat how you go to market, who you want to partner with, uh, agency acquisition strategies. So I'm advising contractors to pay attention to what's in their pipeline. That program that may be full and open competition right now might go to small business set-aside in a couple of months. So you got to watch that. Well, one of the numbers you flagged for us is the the HUD uh, figure, which, as as you say, only one point seven percent of their covered contracts went to small businesses. Their goal was twenty five percent, and I noticed SBA has adjusted their goal for this year downward, all the way down to five percent. Do we have any idea what happened with HUD? Was this some kind of weird COVID distortion? Yeah, you know, that could very well be part of it, Jared. It's it's very typical to see an agency miss its small business target by that much. Uh, and it could very well have been something that had to do with market conditions, or it could very well have been that, you know, HUD was going along uh, doing acquisition and not really keeping their eye on the small business goal. Uh, rest assured, they will be keeping their eye on that goal moving forward. Uh, what it looks like is that the SBA has had a conversation with senior HUD leaders the uh, leaders have said, look, you know, we probably were a little overly optimistic previously. Here's a somewhat more realistic target for what we can make. I would expect to see HUD uh, work towards that 5% number, probably get some good oversight from Congress in helping them meet that goal. And then I would expect to see that goal revised somewhat upward in the out years. All right. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Larry, thanks as always. Jared, thank you. And I wish your listeners happy selling. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. 
Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? 
you have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federals organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zell. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. 
Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.